On the Aggie Sports Network, from Learfield IMG College, this is the Aggie Coaches Show with Coach Craig Smith, brought to you by Old Chicago Pizza and Taproom, home of the Aggies Coaches Show. Smith's fresh for everyone. Locker 42, your source for Aggie apparel. And by Guild Mortgage. Own what matters. Live from Old Chicago Pizza and Taproom, here's the voice of the Aggies, Scott Gerard. And welcome in. It's another edition of the Craig Smith Coaches Show. Coach will join us here momentarily as we count you down to uh, games coming up this week. Utah State with games coming up on Wednesday and Friday as they square off against Wyoming. A lot to break down, and sadly not a game on Saturday to break down as Utah State's game against Fresno State was postponed uh, due to some uh, health con- health and uh, safety concerns. We'll talk about that and kind of the procedure on on uh, when Coach finds out about that. I got the uh, message when it about hit Twitter and hit everybody's email about uh, 2 o'clock on Saturday that the game would not be happening. So, unfortunately, only one game against Fresno State, but Utah State able to get a W there as they knocked off the Bulldogs 69-53. to And again, one of those nights, too, where Utah State really started to shoot well from the outside. They ended up 6-14 of uh, from beyond the three-point line. Uh, and then overall, you saw a great performance across the board from Demiash Keda, who had 14 points. He had five rebounds and also five block shots in that game. Left the game a little early due to uh, due to some injury concerns, and maybe Coach will give you some update on that coming up a little bit later on in the program as well. Two other players in double figures for Utah State. Stephen Ashworth ended up with 10 points on 4 of 6 shooting, and Alfonso Anderson with 13 points on the night. And Utah State overall, uh, a nice shooting performance as they shot 50% from the field, and then also 50% from three on uh, uh, 13 of 26 from beyond the three-point line. And uh, again, really overall got themselves in a situation where it really felt like they were in a spot where um, where they were really got themselves in a situation where you felt like in control for much of the second half and ended up outscoring Fresno State by 12 in the second half in route to the 69-53 victory. You know, this was a Fresno State team that came in and rebounded the ball well. You could tell they had some athletes on this team, and you can tell there were some players there that had the potential of giving Utah State some problems. But the Aggies only up by four at the break, ended up pushing it out to – got up to about a 20-point lead, was the largest lead in the game, uh, on a big 11-0 run in the early stages of the second half. And then it was pretty much all but – that was pretty much all she wrote at that point. Utah State now with three players averaging in double figures on the season. So you got Namish Keda, season uh, leading Utah State with 12.5 points per game. Uh, now you got Marco Anthony at 11.2, and Justin Bean now breaking into double figures. He's averaging 10 points and seven rebounds a game. Brock Miller averaging 9.8. Uh, Brock, or excuse me, Raleigh Wooster at 9.6. So you got some really good balance scoring across the board here for Utah State, and that's a, certainly a great time of year to be playing some of your best basketball coming down the stretch. For Utah State this week, they'll welcome in the Wyoming Cowboys uh, with Wyoming having kind of an up-and-down season. It's interesting when you look at what Wyoming's done this year. That's a team that has had some really – Kind of some impressive wins, especially considering what Nevada's done as of late. Just earlier, or actually, I guess at the end of January, they got a uh, series sweep against Nevada, picking up a 71-64 victory in game one, and then scoring 93 points, beating Nevada 93-88. to 
Uh, Nevada has now turned into quite a juggernaut in the Mountain West Conference as they have swept Boise State. And now you look at Utah State, they're all by themselves in the top spot of the Mountain West Conference with only two losses on the season. So you got to feel pretty good when you're Utah State looking down and seeing uh, Nevada give you a little bit of help. The only difficult part about that is Utah State's got two games left against Nevada right now who seems to be playing some of their best basketball of the season. But a Wyoming team, as I mentioned, overall they're 10-9 and nine on the season. They're much, much more improved over, last, uh, over the last couple of years. 4-8 uh, and eight in conference. They're 2-4 and four in conference on the road this year. Uh, they just uh, lost four in a row against two really good teams. They dropped the season series against San Diego State. Aztecs got two, for all intents and purposes, pretty easy victories, 87-58 and then 98-71. Then they played Colorado State, and both those games seemed to go right down to the wire. Uh, it was a late layup against uh, for Colorado State that gave the Rams a 74-72 victory. And then Colorado State a little bit of an easier victory in game number two uh, when they were able to get a 68-59 victory in that game. So, uh, again, that's uh, and that, those two games were played in Laramie as well. So this is a Wyoming team that gave Colorado State fits in those two games and is certainly capable of doing some damage uh, against this Utah State team if the Aggies don't play particularly well. And, again, Utah State will end up going almost about six days in between games, playing on Thursday and then uh, not playing again against uh, Wyoming coming up on Wednesday of this week. You look at this Wyoming team, they're much better offensively averaging about 75 points a game. Problem is on the defensive side, where they're giving up about 76 points per game. Three-point shooting, they average nearly 10 made threes a game at 9.8, so they'll launch the threes. They're also averaging about 35% from the three-point line. Pretty good free-throw shooting team, and rebounding-wise, that's where they certainly have a little bit of work to do so, so far on the season, being out-rebounded 37-32. to 32. Averaging about 14 assists a game, uh, so a team that can uh, distribute a little bit. And then uh, turnovers, they've cut way down. That was one of the issues they've really struggled with over the last couple of years was turning the ball over. They're much better this year, only averaging about 11 turnovers per game, uh, forcing about 13 turnovers per game. And a lot of those, nearly half of those coming via steals. So they're aggressive on the defensive side. They're forcing steals. They're getting some opportunities against teams uh, based on that. And then, of course, you look across the board, uh, they're a team that, from a point standpoint, led by Marcus Williams, who uh, has been a good player for this team, uh, playing, uh, averaging nearly 16 points a game. Hunter Maldonado, who feels like he's been there forever, is averaging 12.2. And then Kenny Foster, if you remember Kenny Foster, that was a guy who gave Utah State all kinds of fits in the uh, Mountain West Conference uh, semifinals last year when Wyoming went on that crazy run, uh, winning uh, essentially, I believe, two games to get into the conference semifinals. And uh, Utah State... Pretty much led wire to wire in that game, but Malt, or excuse me, Foster made it interesting. He started to heat up beyond the three-point line, and he has continued that hot streak, averaging 43% from three. He is far and away their best three-point shooter uh, on the team. And uh, actually, and, uh, you, actually, Xavier Dussel also averaging over 40% from three. Uh, but they're a team that they'll light it up a little bit, and they'll, they'll try to get after it as uh, Kenny Foster uh, has attempted 51 threes on the season. Marcus Williams is a guy who loves to crank the threes. Uh, he's averaging about 33%. He's taken 91 three-point attempts so far on the season. But again, as we mentioned, Wyoming coming in with a four-game losing streak into this game after winning three in a row, one against Air Force and two against Nevada. They also split their series against Fresno State. Uh, they lost badly in two games against Boise State. 
Um, earlier in the year, they started the season in their non-conference fairly well with a bunch of wins, knocking off Oregon State, uh, got a win against Denver, beat UVU, beat Omaha, and then also got a win against Mississippi Valley, and then uh, a couple other losses along the way. But for the most part, this is a team that uh, can create some problems. They're shooting the three ball much better, and uh, Utah State has got two big games coming up against the Cowboys coming up on Wednesday and Friday of this week. All right, Craig Smith joining us now as we continue to break down last week's game and then look ahead to Wyoming. Coach, how you doing? Hey, how about them Aggies? It's great to see everybody. Sarah, I even got a smile out of Sarah. That's hard to do sometimes. <laughs> Sorry I'm late. Uh, you guys, it was probably a heck of a lot better show when I wasn't around. That is I know completely how untrue. I read the stat sheet I know how for about 10 works. minutes. Yeah. Um, so, sorry. We are, in our practice time, we have guys in class to like 245, and, um, and then sometimes things go a little bit long, so I apologize. It's been an interesting day, to say the least. You can read into that any way you want. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I want to go back to uh, – uh, and obviously, there's one game we've had the last 14. Yeah, days. yeah. Well, actually, I kind of want to go through what it's like. And again, I know you can't go into specifics, and I'm not asking for those. But when you plan all day for a game, and then all of a sudden the rug gets pulled out from underneath you, how difficult that is for a team. You know, we knew at the start this year there's going to be so many in uh, what's uh, uh, inequities. Yeah. So many inequities. You know, I'm not a uh, English major. I've got a lot going through my mind right now, but. Um, and we go. We play four games in eight days against back-to-back San Diego State, Colorado State, and then yeah. six games in fourteen days. So then, you know, when that game got canceled, now um, we going into the Wyoming game on Wednesday. We were going to have one game in thirteen days. Yeah. And literally, it's like the fourth Christmas break we've had. You know, <laughs> and it's just a, you know, it's a. We've really talked a lot to our team about mental toughness and mental discipline and. Because it really is a different dynamic when you are playing in an empty arena. You know, we're fortunate. We get 1,600 fans. It feels like it's 8,000 fans compared to, you know, you go to UNLV, you have an 18,000-seat arena, and there's literally, when you count both teams, the announcers, the media, I mean, I don't know, maybe 75 people in the whole, maybe. If you include team, coaches, support staff, yeah. With the both. so. And, and it's just this humongous arena, and it's just empty and dead. And and then you go to Fresno, and you know normally when we play at Fresno, it's a it's a hockey arena. And I hate being cold, even though I grew up in northern Minnesota, like I always say, South Canada, um, where a calm, windy day, you know, a calm day is 15 miles an hour. Um, like um, I was texting a buddy of mine on the when we were waiting for the airplane on Saturday night. Yeah. How you doing? This, that, and the other. And he goes. Oh, I'm just enjoying life, watching my son play hockey in middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, where it's a high of minus three. <laughs> and so I looked at my phone on the app, and my wife is here. My wife, Darcy, how about her? Yeah, round of applause. My wife and I are from Stephen, Minnesota. Look it up. S-T-E-P-H-E-N. And I look at it, and it's, and it's minus 17 without the windshield. Uh, and that was like at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And so then I look at the forecast, the te- you know, the next 10 days, and I'm not kidding you when I tell you the high temperature without the wind over the next 10 days is minus 6. That's the high over a 10-day period. So Darcy's mom texted her yesterday, and the windshield was minus 50 yesterday morning. So anyway, I get off subject a little bit. How do we get, So, oh, the day. So what is it like? So 
when we play two games in three days and you're getting ready for that first game, there's always like a bunch of energy. Guys can't wait to play because it's been five days, typically four to five days since their last game. So they can't wait. There's high energy. Guys are locked in. And then when you win that game, you know, you're feeling good about yourself, but you're in a hotel kind of all day. So we try to break it up. We watch film from the previous game. You know, we wake up, have breakfast, give the guys about an hour to shower, whatever, watch film, and then we give about two hours, and then we go um, to practice, you know, and, and do what we do. But the practice isn't very long, and you're just kind of fine-tuning, right? Just going over some of the sets you do, get up and down, kind of get the stuff out of their body, whatever you want to call it, uh, just get their bodies right. And so, and then when you lose that game, like the first, you know, when we lost the first game at UNLV, that day took forever uh, on that off day. So then we go through the protocols, and our guys test. We almost all, I think we always test in between. So anybody on the staff that is still testing, if you've had COVID-19 within a 150-day window, you don't have to test. But if you're outside of that window or you've never had it, you've got to test. We have to test three times a week. So we tested on that in-between day, got the results back on Saturday morning. So I knew there was a chance. Um, I found out that somebody tested positive, and we started going through our stuff, but I knew there was a chance that we weren't going to be able to play the game. So we prepared like you were at pregame breakfast, went into film at 11 o'clock, and I knew there was going to be a conference call meeting type of thing at 11. And I texted Hartwell. We got down to film at 11.30. All the guys are on the bus. I'm like, hey, we just got done. And he calls me as we were three minutes into the bus ride heading to the arena for pregame. Yeah. And now you got to go back and tell the guys. And that's not a – you know, you just have such empathy for them yeah. because you're doing everything you can to prepare. You're getting your minds right. You're getting prepared to go into to battle, so to speak. And now there's just this, ugh, you know, and um, – I mean, I don't know how many times I apologize to our guys because you just feel so bad for them, and all that goes into a season. At the same time, we've been saying from day one, like, this this could always happen. And Obviously, we've been shut down for seven days. We used the uh, – back in December, but we used the women's team for an example at various times because they had missed three games. And we had been just on this routine where we've been fortunate – not only on our end, but from our opponent's yeah. end, that we haven't had to miss anything. And all of a sudden, this pops up, and, and um, you know, we missed that game, and hopefully we'll be able to play on Wednesday and Friday. Well, or, let's, Yeah, Wednesday and Friday. Wednesday and Friday, yeah. Let's, uh, let's rewind a little bit. Let's talk about that first game against Fresno State. You lead by four at the half. You have a big run there in the second half to give you a little separation. But that, that Fresno State, and you kept saying over and over, that team is better than their record. Um, and, uh, and, and they showed that, too. I mean, that was a team that came out. They've got talent, and, uh, and, and they, they flexed a little bit there. Well, they did. And, you know, anytime you have a, uh, a projected NBA draft pick, uh, and they do at, with a seven-footer that is as skilled as he is, I mean, it puts you in a bind. Yeah. You know, because you just have so many options um, on the offensive end to do so many different things. And I thought we showed our rust a little bit in that first half. I thought we had some kind of – untypical mistakes specifically on the defensive end of the floor 
Uh, I didn't think we were really in attack mode on offense, although I think part of that was Fresno. But when you don't play for eight days, sometimes offensively especially, it takes a little while to just kind of get your rhythm back. And it's a little bit like a heavyweight fight where those first, you know, you're, you're just kind of feeling out each other's athleticism, and they play so many guys. So there's just all this. You're measuring each other up. Uh, and we had a couple, you know, Raleigh Wooster had two quick fouls. You got two fouls. Had a second foul about the seven-minute mark. Kata had two fouls right around that time as well. And so, um, but that second half, when we came out on fire, really established Kata inside and um, just played um, inside-out basketball. Got some easy rhythm shots um, to fall as well. Brock Miller didn't even shoot a three. I know. As you um, so kindly stated right before we got on the radio, I got on air after the game. Um but there were so many good things. And then when Kata kind of rolled his ankle, um, you know, Trevin played outstanding the last eight minutes of the game. He really played well the whole game. Yeah. Um, and people finally could really kind of get a feel for the progress he has made. He had a heck of a practice again today. So um, it's exciting to see. But our, our bench was really, really good that night. We're going to talk to Trevin coming up a little bit later on in the program. I was well, setting that up. I know. That was well done by you. Yeah. That's what we call a tease. I'm trying to help you out. I like it. Need all the help we can get. All right, coming up next, though, we'll look ahead. We'll look at Wyoming. Trevin Dorius will join us coming up here in about 15 minutes from right now as well. We're live here at Old Chicago. Love for you to come by and hang out with us right here on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Welcome on back. You're listening to the Craig Smith Coaches Show from Learfield IMG College. You know, sometimes I ask the question. Sometimes Coach wants to ask questions as well. Scotty, I got a question here, and this is for our – the one, the the man, the myth, the legend, AJ. Um, you know, yesterday was a big day. It was Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, that's and, a good question here. I like where you know, you're going with this. I, I just, I, because I, I truly want to know this. I was thinking about this last night and this morning. I couldn't wait to ask this question. So, we all know AJ is a, the most dire Patriots fan you're ever gonna find, and Bucks fan. Ever okay, since seventy-seven. So, uh, oh, for real. Oh, stop it. With since the orange uniforms, <laughs> yes. huh? So when, you're, when a guy like Tom Brady does what he does for the New England Patriots and then obviously signs free agent, I know everything was amicable, but goes to the Bucs and they win, win the Super Bowl. Are you happy? Were you cheering for the Bucs? Are you happy for Tom Brady? Are you a little bittersweet? Or are you bitter? Like, what, like where do you fall in that range? Because that kind of has to be a hard thing because Patriots probably would have won it all if you would have stayed. Uh, happy that Tom won it, yes. So you were, so you you were, were cheering, going for the You Bucks. were cheering for Tom yesterday. As a lifelong Bucks fan, yes, I was cheering for Tom Brady. Okay, all right. So what it is, you're not a Patriots fan, you're a Tom Brady fan. I'm a lifelong Patriots fan and a Bucks fan and a Tom Brady fan. So if you would have went to somewhere else, then would have you cheered for them or not? Uh, I don't know. So you really do like the Bucks? No, he doesn't like the Bucks. <laughs> ah, okay. He's Somebody coming. called him out the other day for not knowing the old sombrero. <laughs> All right. He knew it was coming. I had to ask, though, because I, I think that would well, be hard for me. What was it like when, as being a lifelong Viking fan and hating Brett Favre, and then all of a sudden Brett Favre's on your team? Oh, I was, all, I was pumped. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you can't beat him, join him. There you <laughs> or, go. Or however that saying goes. But I, like, I was the biggest – because he's the guy I, – I can't stand the Packers, but, like, deep down, I love how they – well, I love how they do things, like the way – small community, they get behind it. Yeah. Owned by, you know, no, they don't have one owner, and they're always good. And I'm always so jealous because, I mean, like the Vikings can't just get a solid court. Like we've had so many, and the Packers have had two of the top 
whatever, 10 to 15 quarterbacks. Back to back. Back to back over the course of 40-some years. It's almost an upset they've only won two Super Bowls. Like, honestly, like no, you can no, kind of. Right. Aaron yeah. Rodgers is ridiculous. And I love Brett Favre. Just, so he's the guy you love to hate. You want him on your team so bad. But when he's on the other team, you're just like, oh. Because, you know, in, in, in two times in my lifetime, I don't know if I'll ever see the Vikings win a Super Bowl, but two times in my, like, I felt like the Vikings had the best team when they were 15-1 and one yep. with Randall Cunningham and that whole crew, and Gary Anderson didn't miss a field goal the whole year. I would have loved to see a Broncos-Vikings uh, Super and Bowl. And if they make that, we're up 10, and of course we miss, and the rest of it. And then the one that I literally couldn't watch SportsCenter for like six weeks. I'm not exaggerating. My wife knows. I could not. I didn't watch the Super Bowl when the Vikings lost to the Saints because we completely outplayed them the whole game. Yeah. We lost, I think, two of our first three or four games, and then we just went on this tear, and we would have rolled through um, the Colts in the Super Bowl, but then Seattle or uh, New Orleans yeah. rolled through them. And anyway, not that I'm bitter. I'm so oh, bad interception late in that one. Oh, like don't even. Like, <laughs> yeah, twelve men on the field, but you had five bad interceptions. Or turnovers. Not that I remember it vividly, but I'm just so bitter about it. Just bitter. That's so uh, anyway. But right. next year's our year. Next yep. year's our year, it's guys. It's always next year. We're gonna make it happen next year. We still have Kirk Cousins. Oh, oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey uh, we got Dalvin Cook though, baby. That's that true. That dude can go. All right. Uh, I I'm looking over the uh, the Wyoming roster. And they got Marcus Williams, who's averaging nearly 16 points a game, playing really well for him. Uh, Kenny Foster, who uh, was lighting, had some big threes late in the game against you guys in the Mountain West Conference tournament to try to keep that game close. Um, so, so this is a team that again has some weapons there, and you can tell they're vastly improved over last year. They're they're really good. Jeff Linder's a good friend of mine. He's their their new head coach. He did a great job at Northern Colorado. He's a very good uh, he's a very good coach. The last two years. Um, our first two years at Utah State, you know, we're allowed to play a close scrimmage. Um, and they, Northern Colorado came to our place, and we love playing them because the things they do, they'll really expose you for what you're weak at on both sides of the ball. And, um, and they liked it for the same reason. And so he does a great job. Um, they're scoring it at a high level. They have three freshmen that are going to be – monsters in this league marcus williams is one of them i mean look at this stat he's he shot 226 shots in the year hunter maldonado who was an all-league guy last year is second in shot attempts at 186 so when you have a true freshman that's doing that and he's a dynamic player um two of the last four games when you're watching them play announcers have referred to him um in comparison to trey young now i'm not saying that but it gives you an idea like you know, Trey Young was the number three or number four pick in the NBA draft and was an elite scorer at, at Oklahoma. So the point is he can really get it going. He can get to the rim, shoots it well, really good passer. Um, and then they have Maldonado. Another freshman for them is uh, Graham Ike, who just started playing for them. He's coming off an ACL tear. He started his first game, last game out. And he's what they need, just a big, strong, physical guy. He's a lefty high high motor he's got a little bit of justin bean in him as a five man just Mm. relentless with his effort and then a kid out of arizona um number 53 xavier ducell is an elite shooter um for them so they got a lot of guys Uh, marble's a guy that can put a lot of pressure on you as well he played well against us 
Um, I think it was in the conference tournament as well. So they have a lot of guys that can score it. They're going to try to play man-to-man most of the time, more of a pack style like us. Um, oh, and the other guy I didn't mention is the Thompson kid, who I think made four threes. He's 6'10". I think yep. he made four threes in the conference tournament against yep. us. He's a pick-and-pop five-man. So they can put – it's almost like two – kind of like Fresno, they're almost like two teams in one. Um, they're coming off a couple really – two really tough losses to Colorado State. Um, uh, they were ahead almost the whole game, that first game. Yep. Um, not quite so much the second game. But, you know, we'll have our work cut out for us. Our guys are excited to play. When you play one game in 14 days, um, you just have this. We had a heck of a practice today. Um, and so I know our guys are excited. And it feels like we haven't played at home for an eternity. Yeah. You know, when you go that whole time without playing a home game. And now, like we told our guys, we get four home. Hopefully, hopefully, knock on wood, we get four home games here um, to go into the conference tournament. It's also a Wyoming team that uh, swept uh, probably the hottest team in the uh, conference right now in Nevada. They sure did. Um, they've had a grueling strategy. Nevada, two games, and they swept them. Two very good games that came down to the last two minutes of the game. Um, I feel like I've seen Nevada so much this year because yeah. the way the schedule works out, it's like we're always playing somebody right, almost right after Nevada. But um, And they are the hottest team, sweeping Bo- Boise. Um so they've had some series that they're battle-tested, and I feel like they're just getting better and better every game out. Take a break, come back, and you'll hear from uh, Trevin Dorius, get his thoughts on uh, his play as of late. Hey, remember, Aggie fans, is your game room need an update? Fisher Home Furnishings has you covered. Visit fisherhf.com to enter for your chance to win a framed USU basketball photo, tickets to an upcoming game, and $500 to Fisher Home Furnishings. We'll continue on. Trevin Dorius coming up next from Learfield IMG College. Welcome on back. You're listening to the Craig Smith Coaches Show. We're live at Old Chicago. Uh, and uh, big thanks to everyone who came down here and hanging out with us. Also, big hello to everybody on the uh, Facebook Live page as well, on the Utah State Athletic page, where you can watch it as well. All right, joining us now, uh, Utah State big man Trevin Dorius, kind enough to join us. He's hanging out with me on post game after the Fresno State game and now making an appearance here on the Coaches Show. Trevin, how you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me. Good to catch up with you again. Uh, tell us what this season's been like for you and, and the progression you made from last year to this year. Um, well, I think the first thing, the first thing that stands out to me this year is uh, I've been, um, it's been super great to have Nimi healthy throughout the whole season um, just because it's helped the team out a lot and it's helped me out a lot. You know, we talk about um, the progression and, how much better I've gotten this year, and I think it's just it comes from constantly battling against a player like Nami all the time. So, you know, I feel like I've gotten better with uh, um, just my awareness of what's going on, being able to use my body because you know I spend the whole day fighting against uh, potential potential uh, NBA prospects. You know, it's it's been a good year in those regards. Coach Trevin brought this up on the post game show after the game against Fresno. How much? Nimi's been not just a mentor, but just uh, as a facilitator to help him grow and develop. i got to imagine as a coach, you know, you guys coach these guys up, but when players are coaching guys up too, that's a win-win right there. Well, I've always said the best, you know, on the best teams, you're, 
you know, on, 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 how do I say it? In good teams, the coaches coach, and on great teams, the players coach. And that just is a way of life, so to speak. And when you're, you know, you pay it forward that way. Quint, Nimi will say, Nimi will tell you, Quinn Taylor helped him more than anybody um, Nimi's freshman year. And, that, of course, that was Trevin's sec, uh, second year on his mission, so he wasn't here. But Nimi always said, I learned so much from Quinn. And if Nimi, you know, hopefully Nimi's paying that forward to Trevin, and Trevin's going to pay that forward to the, you know, to the next guys in line. And the stuff Trevin, you know, I'm just so proud of Trevin. I love Trevin to death. Um, he's an unbelievable person. And you just, like, what he's been able to do on the basketball floor, we see every day in practice. Not everybody's always been able to see that quite yet, although if they watch the game against Fresno on Thursday, they certainly saw a lot of great things. Um, today, again, he gets a catch in the post and just goes right into a jump hook um, over Nevy like it was nothing. And, like, Trevin's going to be an, a really, really good player. And what people don't always realize with Trevin is he's got a 38-inch vertical, and he run, he is incredibly fast and athletic. And his screen and roll defense is impeccable. But the things he's gotten so much better at is what he just said, his positioning. And now – he used to be kind of maybe a half a step behind, and now he's a half a step ahead. And that makes all the difference in the world when it comes to being your individual talent, but in terms of being an elite team player. And now that's what Trevin is doing. And he's still got some work to do, but there's no doubt that his ceiling, he's just scratching the surface of how good he's really going to be in the next two years. You know, Trevin, a lot of people talk about block shots and defense from a big man. The thing that really jumped out to me as far as – steals go i mean you're right up there with some of the uh with some of the guys on the uh steal list on this team and not playing nearly as many minutes what do you attribute that to to uh kind of find a way to get your hand in the cookie jar and come away with some of these steals i think i think it just comes down to people aren't really expecting it you know they're not expecting that a uh, little hand to come in there and poke it out you know i've I've spent so much of my life getting balls poked out from my hands when I bring it low, and I, I don't feel like guards should be an, uh, an exception to that rule. You know, they do the same thing that we do. So I've just – it's happened to me so many times throughout the years. I'm just like, you know what, I can do that too. I can get a hand in there, you know. They're pretty quick. They're pretty good little hands. So, you know, every time I see an opportunity, like, they always try to, they always try to rip it lower than me, but I'm just like, I know, I know what they're trying to do. I'm at least going to put a hand in there, and most of the time it just pops up. It's been – it's been fun. You know, I think that's been a fun new thing to my game that I added. I love the fact you're taking out some frustration on some guards. <laughs> that's awesome. Can I, uh, can I chime in on that? Because yep. I, I, I think he's right about that. But I don't – again, it comes, I think he is so quick twitch. Like, Trevin is really quick twitch and, and athletic that you just – he's right. I don't know that they expect it. And he's so big. Like, he is a massive – human being and then i think the other part with that that is underrated trevin's in way better position now almost all the time so so much of good defense and getting steals is being in the right position and it's it's rare that he's not in the right position anymore and so he's able to make those plays trevin i want to recap a little bit of some of our conversation we had uh out on the postgame show you mentioned that you know, I, I, I mentioned Coach's comments about your ability to run up and down the court and your ability to uh, to anticipate and do so many things. And you said a lot of that is just getting in shape after your mission. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that come back and they have those mission legs. 
Um, and so I got to imagine from a physicality standpoint, you probably feel a lot better this year as opposed to last year. Oh, no doubt. I feel, I feel way better this year than I did last year. I don't know if y'all remember, but I keep these little memories in the back of my head. Um, last year at St. Mary's and last year at Colorado state when about one or two times up the floor and I was just gassed. I was like wincing in pain. I was like, this sucks. And I never want to feel like this again. Uh, and so with like that in mind, um, I put a lot of work in over the summer and then, you know, COVID hit and it was like, ah, oh, geez, like I got to start over, but you know, it doesn't, it's just sort of a roadblock and keep working so that when my time comes, I, I'm not going to be taken off the floor because I'm gassed. You know, I think that's really, that's really the goal right now. Like don't get taken off the floor um, just because I'm tired because I got to really work for every minute I get. Your your dad played basketball at Snow. Your mom was a swimmer at BYU. Uh, did you get the competitiveness from both of them, or was one more competitive than the other? You know, uh, competitiveness hasn't ever really um, come naturally in my family. Believe it or not, we're all we're all very gentle. Uh, I think I got it. I got it from here. You know, I got it up here, and I. I mean, I'm pretty sure if you. you ask anyone when I got here I really wasn't in a super competitive frame of mind you know I was like I love everyone frame of mind and let's help everyone you know um sort of getting over that and realizing that yeah like we're here to win and this is this is the culture of the team this is the culture that coach Smith and his coaching staff has built so you know it's it's about time for me to step up to that how tall are your parents do you get the height from one or the other uh so my dad's six five well, my mom's six two, six two and a half, six three, um, and my mom's dad is like six seven. So I come about it honestly. I think I got a little bit from both sides. I don't think I was any like anomaly or nothing. No. Well, I coach from your perspective. I mean, he's uh, Trevin. You walked on your first year at Utah State and then went on the mission, correct? Yeah. So when coach when 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 he's coming back off the mission, there's a coaching change. Um, you're probably not sure what you have there because it's not like he was playing. You know, his his first year at Utah State. So what was that like when you tried to learn? Okay, what do we have with, on our hands here? Yeah, you know, it was it Sam and and uh, Abel, those two guys for sure. Dio, Diogo is here, right? Trevin, your redshirt year. He was probably a freshman, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. So those guys said great things about Trevin. Um, I, you know, they said, you know, he's got some work to do, of course. Um, but really, we're all about Trevin in terms of who he is as a person and, and what he's about. And when he um, got back from his mission and you guys went on a family vacation, is that right, Trevin? You guys were coming back yeah. from, was it Yellowstone? Mm-hmm. When, you, when you stopped by the office and met everybody and. We talked shop and did the whole thing. We had the what? What kind of van was that again? What did you guys rented one of those vans? We right? had one of those. We had one of those Sprinter vans. Yeah, uh, like those Mercedes big Sprinter vans. We took we took the middle seats out, and you know we all just sprawled out in that thing. It was one of those where you like slide open the door, and it was an endless supply of people walking out of the van. It was like it was just never going to end. It just they just kept coming. Like uh, any more? No, a couple more, coach. I think. <laughs> and so, but we had a great meeting, and um, and we had a great time when we all met each other and visited, and and then if I remember right, you guys had a wedding like three days later, four days later, 
And then yeah. I think he started, and then I think summer school started like a week after that or something like that. So it was, it was fast and furious. But um, I just always remember, even last year, through the course of the season, Sam and Abel and Diogo was like, "Oh my gosh, Co, it's incredible how much better Trevin has gotten." Like literally, it would, they would tell me that on a on a weekly basis, Co. It's incredible, and they were just like coming off a ball screen when Trevin's right there. It's like there's literally nowhere to go. We can't turn the corner. It's hard to hit the pocket pass. It's hard to throw it back because there's just no space on the floor. So, um, you know, those guys are guys that don't pass out compliments real easily, uh, especially Diogo and Sam. So when they're saying good things about you, you know, uh, you know you're in a good spot. Well, Trevin, we appreciate it, man. Good catching up with you. Keep it rolling, and uh, look forward to catching up with you again here really soon. For sure. Thanks. Thanks, Trevin. That's Trevin Dorius right here on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Hey, uh, as we're live here at Old Chicago, remember USU Credit Union has been serving true Aggie since 1957. We got seven locations around Cash Valley, including the branch located at the Utah State University campus inside the University Welcome Center. USU Credit Union offers financial services such as mortgages, home equity, the line of credits, uh, student loans, savings, and retirement accounts. More information about services and applications are available at usucu.org or in person at any branch location. Final segment next, you get a chance to ask coach a question straight ahead from Learfield IMG College. listening to the Craig Smith Coaches Show from Learfield IMG College, Utah State, uh, getting set for two games coming up against Wyoming. It's your chance to ask questions. Uh, so if you have a question, raise your hand. And Ajay, who's moving a long ways away from where we're asking questions, um, you can raise your hand and we'd love to hear from you. All right, uh, Coach, actually we got a question here in the back. Let's go ahead and uh, fire up that mic and, uh, and hear from this young lady. All right, let's go. Hi, Coach. Um, I it's my basketball this league, and I was wondering, I can't steal. Should I steal, or should I listen to my coach? <laughs> well, um, if you ask the players that are here, they would say, "Do what you got to do." Um, but you know what? Here's what I think. I think it's a player's game. So the players decide if you win or lose. It, well, I shouldn't say that. When you lose, it's the coach's fault. When you win, it's because of the players. Um, but I think you just got to, if you see a chance to get a good steal, go for it. Right? But, but you got but then got to make sure you get it. But then get it. Right? But then I tell our players all the time, if you're going to go for that steal, you better get that steal. Otherwise, there's going to be a problem with the coach. But if you have an opportunity and you think you can get it, you got to go for it. But then also listen to your coach as much as possible. But, but the golden rule is always listen to your mom. That is the most important rule that you'll ever have. I tell my daughter, Lauren, right back there, listen to your mom all the time because she's always right. There you go. That's smart advice right there. Another question over here. Go ahead. 
Yeah, with, I'm limited, worried about this one. With limited seating this year, how are your new players dealing with not being able to experience the spectrum magic? You know, um, that's a really good question. I, I don't know that they've um, fully understood. I will say this. Um, when we were getting ready to play, I believe it was San Diego State, um, we always, you know, show clips from, you know, the games from this year, but we'll also at times, and I almost always do on game day, show clips from last year, um, good or bad. Even though it's a different team, we're a different team, they're a different team, it's still the same coaches, and you still kind of do things somewhat similar. And when you pop that on, you know, this year, everywhere you go, it's an empty arena. It's just the norm. And then when you pop that on and you see that crowd, that was a sold-out arena that night, and they're all looking at it like, whoa, you know, and, and how cool is that? So, you know, it's one of those things I'm not sure they re totally realize, although we use that with recruiting. I mean, that's a big piece for what we do. I, but I just think our guys, it, it's kind of a little bit old news right now where our guys have been dealing with, just like everybody has for so long, and it was very different early on, but now it's just you're almost numb to it now. But I do think this. We do feel very fortunate because, like, the San Diego State game, specifically the second one, I mean, it felt like, you know, when you have 1,600 and you're not used to anything, it truly does feel like it's about 8,000 people yeah. in there. And the acoustics in that building oh, are such where it such still a, yeah. makes a lot of noise. I love that arena. Our guys love that place. It, it, our, our guys talk about the, the spectrum way more than – in a typical year, way more than people realize. There's a lot of pride to it, and you just have that feeling, you know, and, and and because we go all over the country, and we play in all these different venues, and, of course, there's some arenas we play in in our league that are very good, right? But there's also some vibes that are not so good. So we talk about appreciate what we have. I've coached at a lot of places, and it hasn't always been like this, you know, and then – our returners, you know, in the first two years, to, that was a common theme that that our returners said, we want to get the Spectrum Magic back. And to be able to get that back, that's not just lip service. That's real talk. Like, those are facts. And our guys talk about that on a regular, you know, on a regular basis. One more question. Go ahead. I think it's harder for the returners than the new guys. Interesting. That's because they know how special it is. They felt it. They've lived it. And, and so it's probably not as difficult for those young guys just because they haven't truly experienced that. Uh, hello, Coach. Hey, Justin. Um, <clears throat> so this is my third uh, season getting to watch you, uh, work with you. Uh, and I've been meaning to ask you, and uh, COVID kind of pr provided a, uh, you know, with the lull, you know, in games and uncertainty, um, what, what motivates you? You know, obviously winning, but – player development or um, bringing the Spectrum Magic back, you know, doing amazing things. I'm just curious when things are down or if there is a lull, what keeps you motivated? Because everybody talks about your energy, and I'm just curious what uh, makes your motor go. Well, there's quite a few things. I don't know if we have enough time here, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, the motivating factor is the people that you're closest to. And, like, if, if we don't have success, uh, you know, I got a family. <laughs> so you never want to let your family down. You never want to let your parents down. You never want to let your player, the guys in your program down. So whether the, the players, the coaching staff, 
the athletic director. You never want to let your fans down. And so what motivates me is people. And I love to win. I hate losing. I'm a really bad loser. Um, but I also get the big picture that if you have the right process and protocol, uh, meaning you practice well, right, you, you do everything you can do in a preparation standpoint. You know, we watched Super Bowl yesterday, and I'm up forever. My wife, you know, she get, knows how I am, but I'm watching film till whatever time. You know, last night on Wyoming, and it's like, do you really need to? And, yeah, you do, like, because you never want to cheat the game or cheat the players in your program. And so what's incredibly rewarding is when you see these guys come in as 18-year-old young men or 17-year-olds. We have a couple of those guys that came in um, as 17-year-olds, and they leave as 24-year-old men or whatever, and you see the growth in them as a certainly as a player, but the growth in them as a person. That's not what it you know. Not everybody sees that or feels that. And to be able to see them walk off the the podium with a degree in hand, it's a pretty rewarding thing. And and when you do what we've been able to do, and it's not just about winning, but when you sacrifice all the things that you sacrifice, sometimes personal stats or personal numbers or whatever it might be or playing time for the for the goal of 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 cutting down the nets and you saw it yesterday in the super bowl tampa bay right like to be able to and you do that it's something nobody can ever take away from you it's a bond that our guys and our coaching staff and the players and the coaches and the coaches and the players and the coaches and the coaches and the players and the players in our community. We get back last year. I'll, never, I'll always remember this. We get back last year at about 4.30 in the morning. You know, we had a 10.30 flight out. We cut, it was a 3 o'clock game. We were cutting down the nets at 5.15 Pacific time. And then we're waiting around till a 10.30 flight. And the guys are doing TikTok videos and, you know, and we're doing the water splashes in the locker room and all those kind of things. And we get back at 4.30 in the morning, and we have like 100 people waiting for us in the parking lot when it's like, I don't know, 20 degrees out and windy is, and they're taking pictures and autographs. And, like, those are the things that – so what motivates me is, is the people that, you know, are all in and never want to let them down. And so you're going to do everything you can to be the best that you can every day. And one goal that I have every year is I never want our players to see me have a or, – or coaching staff – ever see me have a bad day i have plenty of bad days but i that i like i'm not doing my job if they see me have a bad day and so those are the guys that and the people that motivate me well that wraps it up coach always a pleasure look forward to catching you after wyoming all right brother go aggies thanks everybody for coming out big thanks to old chicago that's another go craig smith coaches show from learfield img college